Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Weekly Roundup podcast with me, Peter Watson, for the week commencing Monday the 14th of June. I'm joined today by Duncan Balcon, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi Duncan, how are you doing? Hi Peter, yeah, I'm, I'm very well thanks, absolutely buzzing, it's been, I've been back on the um, Daily Podcast this week, I'm absolutely buzzing, it's been a while and I've loved it. <laughs> how are you? Oh good, yeah absolutely, no, no, likewise, likewise. <laughs> I'm always buzzing, always buzzing. So, um, so anyway, yeah. So um, this week, there is, I mean, there's always, there's never a dull moment in all this stuff, right? So, um, what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on a few areas because that is just so darn much uh, mm. to talk about this week. So, uh, we're going to talk about macro Bitcoin and oil. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about employment and we're going to talk a bit about cars. Now, um, if you want more than that, and there is more than that, you know, on um, there's been loads of MA and IPO stuff. There's been uh, sort of other money raising bits and pieces, leisure, travel. Um, please um, read the Watson's Weekly because there's more. There'll be more stuff in that. And it's it's very concise. So you'll be able to read it really quickly. Mm. So uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so on macro Bitcoin and oil um, in America, um, there was a Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, they showed producer prices rising at the fastest pace since 2010, which, again, you know, this, the thing is, demand is uh, is exceeding um, supply at the moment. This is meaning that there's more pressure um, on, on the Fed um, as, as there seems to be on a daily basis with regard to you know, should they put up the um, uh, the interest rates in order to calm down rampant inflation? Um, actually, uh, that, so the the Federal Reserve, which is the uh, America's central bank, they had a two day meeting this week. At the end of that meeting, they said that they, uh, you know, it sa- sounded like they were they were minded to put up the interest rates earlier than they'd previously said, um, and then world markets kind of you know, had a bit of a wobble um, as, you know, shortly afterwards um, because they, um, uh, uh, oh, hold on, just, I've just seen a, God, I've just seen a, a, a a news flash flashing up. They're saying that um, the Dow has just lost um, 500 points because there's, um, because of the precisely uh, inflation uh, uh, sort of uh, interest rate fears. Sorry. Perfect timing. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) I just saw that flash up anyway. um, So, yeah. So uh, putting more pressure on the Fed uh, to raise rates um, and the, um, yeah. So anyway, the Fed has indicated that they will raise rates earlier than expected. Um, Then we move on to Israel. Um, They got a new prime minister. So um, after 12 years of of Benjamin Netanyahu, they got a new uh, prime minister called Naftali Bennett. Um, The poor old Israelis have had four elections since April 2019. So is this one going to stick? Not quite sure, because this prime minister is presiding over a fragile eight party coalition. I think a two party coalition is hard enough, but eight parties, I just think, is ridiculous. So that, uh, that itself is mental, isn't it? You think about how much kind of how much uncertainty there was over here when we had a two party coalition yeah. not that long ago, and how yeah. much they struggled to come to an agreement between the two parties' policies. Eight yeah. is an actual nightmare. Yeah, it is. It is ridiculous. So I don't know um, what's going to happen there. But it just means I think the Middle East, you know, it's going to be bringing a bit of uncertainty into it. Because although um, obviously, you know, I, I suppose with Netanyahu, he, he was in for so long that 
um, you kind of knew what you were getting hmm. um, with him, I guess. Um, then back in the UK, um, unfortunately, it's so funny. When I do this, by the way, I do feel that there are some of the things I say and I think, God, that feels, feels like it happened ages ago. But all of this is this week's news. Um, so lockdown got extended to July the 19th. Businesses weren't happy initially. There were lots of industry bodies and stuff saying, we need more help, we need more help. Um, but um, uh, governments uh, provided some light relief um, by saying that they were going to extend um, the ban on uh, commercial property evictions until March 2022. Now, obviously, the landlords didn't like it, but it means that a lot of this, these um, small you know, businesses um, who who have obviously they've had been closed and they're now having to close for another month. Um, I think that that is really, uh, you know, this is a positive uh, for them for sure. Mm. Um, we were talking earlier about inflation in the U S uh, UK inflation has now overshot the bank of England's 2% target. It's now at what 2.1% versus last month, which was 1.5%. So it's really going up uh, quickly. Um, the Bank of England reckons that it will the inflation will stay below three percent um, for the rest of this year and drift back to more like two percent over the next two years. Um, but who knows? I mean, going from one point five to two point one percent is a pretty big jump. Um, I would think that they are going to be in a very difficult position if this inflation rate, let's say next month. If the inflation rate goes to three percent or something or very close to it, um, I think they're going to be running out of excuses uh, in terms of um, why they won't put the interest rates up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that 2% is is normally that threshold where it gets nervy, isn't it? And decisions yeah. starting to be made. And the fact it's gone over that and they're still trying to kind of call it a blip. Like I say, mm. if it goes up any further, mm. you're going to start losing that rhetoric altogether. You can't, you can't keep along that line without, mm. yeah, with, with what's going on at the moment. No, exactly, exactly. So, so anyway, so that's good. And then uh, we've seen um, the UK signed a trade deal with Australia. Pretty dramatic if you're a meat eater, because it means that um, uh, we're going to get an influx of um, of Aussie beef uh, and and other meats. Um, I think this is great. This is great for Australia because um, they are not getting on very well with China at the moment, and so um, they they've not been able to export as much there. Uh, it's good good for us i guess because it just means that we uh ensure that there is a supply of meat um mm. that's not from the eu so that's you know that's good as well um but the farmers the uk farmers are not so keen because obviously this is um this is treading on their turf quite literally um but um yeah i mean you know no it's not gonna this is not gonna be perfect for everyone no. Um, so yeah, so that was that um, and then uh, there was some uh, stuff on Bitcoin this week, probably not quite as much of a roller coaster ride as it was last week, um, but Bitcoin was, it came back to um, 40, about the 40,000 level but has retreated uh, again since then um, uh, it went up a bit because Elon Musk said that Tesla would accept Bitcoin again when it was satisfied um, that the uh, Bitcoin mining was more environmentally friendly. But really, and as I said this at the time, you know, what does that mean? You know, will they be satisfied if the if the manufacturers just 
slap a few solar panels on the roof or do they mean something else you know it's it's very it's very vague i think he just can't help himself can he no no <laughs> and, exactly. and most likely it'll be whatever it suits him best to have bitcoin suddenly fly back up in value yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so um so yeah i mean there was there was also uh in, in terms of other bits on crypto, um, there was a very interesting article, which I really would suggest you read, um, which talks about uh, the account. I mean, this uh, when I say this, I know it's going to sound a bit boring, but, you know, it's the, about the accounting treatment of cryptocurrency on the balance sheet. Mm. And the, the, the thing is, without going into it, because I'm not, you know, I, I don't really know this kind of technical stuff, but um, it, it just may, basically creates havoc on the balance sheet because, um, as you know, Bitcoin can be very volatile. Um, obviously, even even fairly recently, we've seen it go to something like sixty three thousand, and then go down to sort of thirty three thousand, or you know thirty five, or so you know something along those lines. And it's just um, very. And the problem is the treatment on the balance sheet, as you have to take that into account as well. So it just means that things are much less predict, much less predictable. Um, so uh, so I would read that because that is something that it that that will if it doesn't well so it should make um companies think very long and hard about whether they really do actually need to have um a, a bitcoin uh holdings but um it was i think that there's 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 some um also, there was another uh, interesting thing as well about uh, Bitcoin this week, um, saying that according to the Bank for International Settlements, almost 90 percent um, of the, the world's central banks are actually engaged in cryptocurrency projects themselves. So not only is um, Bitcoin uh, inherently risky anyway, um, and that, you know, the accounting treatment is, is difficult, but you've also got the central banks slagging it off. And at the same time, making their own digital currencies. So I do think that it, it, it is a very risky trade. I'm not saying that you shouldn't necessarily do it. Well, if you're putting in money that you can afford to lose 100 percent of. Um, but actually talking about that, um, it turns out that um, there were some stats out about that saying that fewer than 10 percent of potential buyers of cryptocurrency know that the FCA the, the uh, financial regulator says that you should be prepared to lose all your money. Um, and there's, and it just emphasizes the fact that most people who are getting in just don't know the risks. Yeah. And that's worrying, isn't it? Because there, there's another story say about how many people are, are taking out loans to buy Bitcoin. Mm. And like, like I said, if you, if you haven't taken out a loan, you probably can't afford to lose that money that you could potentially lose. Mm. And, and I would have to say with, with the fact that most, well, central banks as a general rule are much more favoured by governments than, you know, Bitcoin. Um, you'd think when regulations come in place, they're more likely to favour the whatever cryptocurrencies the central banks are offering. Mm. And I think that puts anyone that's, like I say, invested money that they can't afford to lose in a really, really risky position. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. I think so. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll expect more volatility from now on. Mm. Um, then uh, the other thing as well to mention is the oil price. The oil price is stubbornly staying at about the 70 to 71 um, a, a, a dollars per barrel. Uh, you know, that's West Texas and, and Brent blend. Um, and it seems that investors are of the opinion that 
the oil, that a demand will will be high, um, and the problem is is that there will be less supply because um, oil majors because they want to show that they're doing renewables and being better to the environment are going to put more money into renewables projects rather than traditional oil extraction. Mm. Although I don't think, I mean, this, I think this is going to not happen over, or certainly not going to happen overnight. Um, but anyway, that means that you're going to be continuing to see expensive prices at the, uh, at the petrol station. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, there are have been some comments recently that would imply that it could go to a uh, hundred dollars barrel. So, mm. you know. and so that that whole that whole situation kind of intrigues me because, like I said, the the actual producers are looking at more renewable energies as we go on. But actually, on the consumer end, we're trying to use more renewable energy. So I think there could be quite a bit of kind of volatility and movement in that price as well and like you said it's mm. going to go up but it could also jump around a fair bit on the way up because yeah. like i say there, there's that pressure to kind of use more renewable energy but also to produce it and i think those those two levels probably won't move at the same speed if that makes mm. sense so mm. what i don't think that the oil producers will be changing to renewable energies at the same speed that we're trying to use them so as we move to electric vehicles away from petrol and diesel vehicles that's not going to happen at the same rate as Mm. them investing more into producing kind of the electricity in a more economical way so yeah. yeah that 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 price will go i think will i agree will go up um but mm. it might not go up at a particularly stable rate so it could it could mm. be um interesting to watch yeah absolutely um so anyway so let's move on to employment now uh, there were some there were a number of interesting developments and trends and things in employment so um in america um americans are quitting jobs at their fastest rate in any point over the last two decades. Um, this would imply that, uh, that you know, wage, the wage situation, so wages are, are probably rising as a result of that. People generally are feeling more confident about moving, uh, moving jobs and presumably telling their bosses to, to stick it. Um, I mean, that's the, that, you know, that's, that's something that is happening over there. Um, but uh, but o- over here, um, I think, you know, there's still a lot of debate raging as to what the return to the office is going to look like, mm. um, because early on, everyone's saying that's it. Um, the office is dead. Um, no, you know, we don't need to work. We don't need to work in an office anymore. Whereas actually, over time, I think people have realised that you know, certainly some people do miss the office and they miss the interaction. They miss the camaraderie and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen the different uh, uh, stances on this that banks are taking, for instance, like, um, you know, Goldman Sachs are very forthright. They want everyone in the office. Uh, JP Morgan, they've been pretty forthright, but slightly less so than I'd say than um the Goldman, and then you have Morgan Stanley, which has previously been quite relaxed on the whole thing, also wants, um, uh, you know, people in. And I would also argue, you know, I mean, there was another, there was a stat uh, in here, you know, from the Office for National Statistics, which saying that um, 40% of companies expect over 75% of their workforce to be in the office, and only 14% expected over 50%. Uh, uh, to work remotely, um, so it, it is. I know, you know, and I know that 
you know, my, my wife works for a small company and um, I think it'd be fair to say that, you know, they want, you know, most, most people kind of want the, uh, are keen for a bit more working from home. Whereas I guess the bosses kind of want a bit less working. No, it's not huge, but I mean, it is, it is a difference, you know? So, um, and I think that that will be repeated in many companies around the country. Yeah, I, th- I think kind of practice area comes into it a little bit as well, because the companies you've kind of listed there, like your big investment banks and things, mm. I, I know you've mentioned previously in your, you know, in, in a former life, when you mm. when you were stockbroking, mm. um, the office is more than just a working environment, isn't it? For, for mm. places like that, it's very much a learning environment as well. Mm. And you don't get anywhere near that level. And a law firm is another good example of this. Um, mm. But places where you just learn so much by absorbing what the yeah. more senior people around you are doing. And I yeah. think companies like your Goldman's uh, and like your, your law firms, like your big, other big investment banks will know that. And they'll be quite keen, particularly to get their junior members of staff back in around mm. the more senior staff, because they want these juniors to excel. And you're probably mm-hmm. not going to get the same sort of level of performance out of someone if they just sat at home as you would mm. if they're learning from from the people around them. Mm. Um, but we, we were talking earlier as well about kind of we think that um, – the interesting people to look at for this would be SMEs, wouldn't they? Particularly the, mm. kind of the smaller end of that, and, mm. and whether they kind of decide they like don't need office spaces anymore, or whether they think yeah. actually we all want to be in, or yeah. whether that they will look at kind of getting a smaller office space and from someone like WeWork and Hot Desk. Yeah, yeah. And actually, WeWork is an interesting example because they've had a really bad twelve months. Mm. And, and if there are some companies that decide, you know what, we need an office space, but not as big. Maybe there's, mm. there's 20, 30 staff, but we're probably only going to have 10 in every day. Mm. They might mm. look at somewhere like a shared working space where people can come yeah. to a hot desk. And, and yeah. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see kind of the patterns in terms of um, which industries or which practice areas, specialist areas, move back into the office and which go, actually, we, we don't need that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just, it is early to say at the moment. Um, I mean, by the way, I thought it was quite interesting that when, apparently when uh, Goldman opened up, um, they there was they were enticed in by free food yeah. uh, and music. And apparently the chief exec, um, is, I think it's David Solomon, who is apparently a part-time DJ, right because uh, he, <laughs> he needs so the he had, cash clearly he apparently apparently he's called dj d soul uh was on the decks right <laughs> and i was just thinking i just thought just now i thought isn't it it's a good job he's called david solomon and, and not say robert solomon because he would then have to call himself dj arsol and, and people could really uh take take the wrong meaning there uh, oh, you were cruel but, uh, you just made me laugh whilst i was trying to take, <laughs> drink some water i'm, I'm actually partially dying over here now <laughs> <laughs> thank you is dj arsehole uh anyway uh sorry i just can't sorry that was very self-indulgent of me but um but anyway <laughs> anyway so yeah i think there's you know we're going to see lots of uh uh y- y- you know uh, you know we've got to see see lots of evolution here um i it's you know, early on, I think everyone was saying, yeah, it's death of the office, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it is. I don't yeah. think it is. Anyway, let's move on to the next bit, which is about cars. Um, so all car related. Um, now, Americans, uh, it seems, are keeping their cars for longer. Um, and it's the longest ever. I mean, apparently, according to IHS market figures, 
12 years. I mean, 12 years sounds a bit long to me. Um, but anyway, the main the main point of all this is people are keeping their cars longer. That's that's what I'm taking away from it. And um, I, I suspect that this is something that we are going to see as we transition from internal combustion engine cars to um, uh, to, uh, you know, to electric vehicles, because mm. I reckon that, you know, people there obviously there's always going to be early adopters and people buying, um, you know, people buying the electric cars that are out at the moment. Um but there'll be some who kind of think, well, you know what, I, you know, I'm not still not quite convinced of the network and network and haven't got a charger. There's there aren't any chargers where I go. So, you know, I'll just wait. And I think that there'll be a lot of people who would maybe under normal circumstances may think, oh, I'd quite like a new car now to actually think, do you know what? I'm, I'm just going to hang on to this and then I'll wait for a bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, if, if you know, if you kind of resigned yourself to the fact that in a couple of years, you're probably going to have to get an EV. But like I say, at the moment, you don't 100% trust the network or the technology or something. Mm. And you've had your current car for, well, by the sound of things, up to 10 years. You're mm. probably not going to buy a brand new car knowing that in two years time, you're probably going to have to change it for an electric one anyway. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's an awful lot of an investment to then, mm. like I say, chop and change again, just after the massive amount of depreciation has happened on what you bought. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that um, it will be, you do wonder what will happen with, with the sale. I mean, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Like the sale of new vehicles and the sale of, of, of secondhand vehicles, because will they both die? You know, because um, secondhand vehicles, people think, well, I don't want to, don't want to buy secondhand um, uh, diesel X, BMW X5 or something, because, I, you know there's no point <laughs> you know i can't um i can't drive it anywhere uh, you know diesel is is horrible etc hmm. um and then what about new cars people think well i don't know if i want to buy a new car because you know because i'm waiting now to buy an electric vehicle so uh, i don't know how this is going to go i mean i it does strike me as you know that the sales of new petrol cars and sales of new uh, of of second hand petrol cars are going to be become very difficult for you know quite suddenly i think so um so yeah you know interesting um then uh the other thing uh, talking about all this um so general motors they said that they're committing more money to electric vehicles um and you know they that's apparently they're putting in 30 percent more money than they said they would in October. So that's just, you know, they, they've got loads of models um, coming out. I think, I have to check, but I think that it's it's GM that is um, releasing an electric version of the Hummer, um, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> when you think, because I, I think that the original Hummer, it does something like four miles to the gallon. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the worst uh, cars in terms of impacts on the environment, uh, and quite literally as well, because they're blooming heavy. Um, and, uh, you know, and so they really quite literally do impact on the environment. But um, so, you know, they've got a whole raft of these cars coming out. So it does make sense. I mean, you know, the chief exec is very much um, on board with the whole EV thing. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's another thing. Um also, the UK government uh, is apparently is in talk, talks with uh, six companies to make gigafactories in the UK. Um, so uh, that's Ford, LG, Samsung, Nissan, in, Innobat and 
Brit, uh, British faults. So, I mean, that's also very interesting as well. I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I, I, I think there was on yesterday's, I think, daily, uh, daily podcast, I went into that's quite right, a lot yeah. of detail on my thoughts. I think, I think it's good. I think it's, I think it's really good in terms of, um, particularly with the trade deal with, with Australia and mm. with the emer- emergence of a few British um, EV manufacturers now. I think being able to source batteries in the same country obviously cuts down on a lot of things, expenses, it cuts down mm. on shipping batteries, which I imagine is probably not that environmentally friendly. Mm. Um, but it does, I think we discussed at the time, beg the question, how environmentally friendly is a gigafactory? So yeah. I think there's both sides of that. And I think there's a lot of details that need ironing out before any of these are built because they take mm. up a lot of land, a lot of land space. Um, yeah. And they will have some environmental impact. Yeah, um, which is interesting. I think the idea of an electric comer, by the way, is hilarious because in my head, you drive it to the shops and then have to recharge it before you drive home. <laughs> because the, 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 I mean, can you imagine the size of the battery you're going to need to power one of those? Well, I know. They, they weigh like two and a half tons, don't they? Yeah. They're ridiculous. Yeah, they are. They are. Actually, by the way, oh, there's a little aside. I'm sure I saw on the internet a little while ago that you could get a, a Hummer golf cart. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so that's really good. And I, I guess you, you'd want that on your private estate, wouldn't you? I mean, oh, if you had, yeah. you know, if you wanted to sort of like drive, drive around in your electric home. Anyway, so, um, so that's, that's good. And then I guess the last thing um, I was going to talk about there in terms of cars was Polestar. Um, so Polestar is um, the, you know, it, it kind of runs alongside um, uh, Volvo cars, uh, which is all, all owned by Geely. Um I think that that yeah. So Polestar is thinking of um, of, uh, of floating on the stock market. Um, I think it's got a lot going for it. I mean, you know, it's 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 not like some other um, uh, EV car companies, which are you know massively loss making and or just promising promising sales. Mm. Um, I think they're proper. Their their uh, their their vehicles seem to do very well and i mean i think you know you and i were talking earlier on saying actually we both really quite like those the the you know the like the polestar 2 which is oh, absolutely it's, moment. it's a stunning looking car for, for compared to if you compare it to most other kind of family sized evs i think it's a mm. fantastic looking car and i'm hoping that with this and getting a bit more investment in they'll be able to kind of marry up the the car performance and the uh, the um reliability and everything to match other manufacturers mm. no names mentioned because i actually genuinely think their product is better looking so i mm. think if they can get their kind of status up to the same level in terms of everything else mm. I, I think they're fantastic i look i look i know i agree the pulsar 2 is a fantastic looking car mm. it is isn't it it's not nice nice looking car i mean so i mean i you know so that's they're, they're, they're looking afloat which i'm sure well, you know, that is a, that is going to be a quite a good float, I would have thought. Um, and then, um, you know, Volvo cars themselves were actually thinking of um, flotation as well. And mm. I think that because of the relationship between the two companies, it could mean that that would actually mean that Volvo cars would have a higher valuation as well. So, mm. so you know, I mean, there's lots of, um, int- you know, there's lots of interesting stuff. Um, and... Uh, I have to say, you know, there's loads more um, that we could talk about here, but we will just have to we really do need to leave it there because we could talk and talk about uh, about this. But um, all of this and more is in in um, Watson's Weekly this week. Um, And you can you know, that is a very short 
uh, version and you can just dip into if there's stuff that interests you you can dip into the individual stories to see more mm. detail etc but um but yeah uh very very eventful week yeah um, I mean, we, we barely scratched the surface haven't we for, for me yeah. i know we've just talked about those major areas there's some fascinating individual company stories in there as well this week so yeah. if you like, that's normally the bottom section of the daily and there's some great stuff in there including companies that have been arguing for 17 years that might be kind of about to put that to bed and stuff like that i'm not going to name the companies because you've got to go and read it but there we go there <laughs> we go fantastic you know right yeah yeah <laughs> anyway um well look um as always thank you duncan it's been uh, uh you know brilliant fun um pleasure and uh and um you know thank you for the listeners to uh you know for continuing to support us um please uh you know check out dj uh d souls uh music you're calling uh, the right name <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah um I'll, we'll we'll leave it there but anyway many thanks and we'll be back talking with you uh at some point soon but anyway thank you have a great weekend thanks a lot see you then all right bye, bye.